Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Rita, your host. I'm very happy to be with you again and thank you for tuning in with us. Today we are going to start a brand new Bible study. As we mentioned last week, we are going to talk about the unity in God's family. Today I would like to introduce to you our panel and I would like to say welcome to Ken. Thank you, Ken, for coming with us. I'm really happy to be here again, Nick. Thank you. Next to Ken is Will. Thank you, Will. Privilege again. Thank you. I'm going around this way. Uh, hi, Andrew. How are you today? Hi. Good to be here. Thanks, Nick. And Jeanette. Hello. How are you, Nick? And today I have uh, a new uh, person on the panel, and I would like to welcome uh, Brenton. Thank you, Brenton, for uh, coming with us. And we give you the responsibility today to also facilitate this uh, great uh, Bible study. I would like you to uh, take us through, uh, Brenton. First of all, Nick, thank you very much for the invitation to uh, be involved in this Bible study time. All of us, I think, have a family. Some families are functional, some are dysfunctional. Mm. And all of us, can, I believe, can relate to that. Our Bible study today is going to relate to a family that was originally created functional and became dysfunctional. And we want to explore what God's Word actually has to say about how this came about, what the results were, and what Christ has done in order to restore and reconcile uh, that dysfunction that we find in our world today. I don't think any of you would doubt that we live in a dysfunctional world. Mm. Conflict seems to be on every hand. And we as Christians have a wonderful opportunity of sharing the ministry of reconciliation that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 5. We will come to that later in our study. But right now I'd invite you, if you're listening or wherever you happen to be, to bow your heads in prayer as we invite, in fact plead, for the leading of the Holy Spirit in our study today. Father in heaven, we thank you for the privilege of studying your word. We come humbly. We come, Lord, not with preconceived ideas. Please reveal to us Jesus Christ as our saviour, as our reconciler, as our friend, as our lover. Reveal him to us today, Lord, in a way that we have never seen before. For all of our listeners, we pray too that they will feel your presence as we study together today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want one of our panel to read for us a statement that we were talking about before we came on air in Ephesians 3.15. Andrew, could you read that uh, statement? Um, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. How significant do you see that, Andrew? Has been that's a really interesting text. Uh, it's saying that in heaven there's this family, this huge family that I don't probably don't understand properly, uh, and also there's this family in, on earth. So um, there's this whole family that is together, that's unified, that's in harmony, and I think that's a really, really great thought. Mm. Thank you, Andrew. Any other comments, Will? I think that if um, we call God our Father. Uh, then the whole family of heaven, right throughout all creation, even outside of earth. He is our Father and the originator of life. Surely we are all united in Him. Mm. Mm. The whole family in heaven and on earth. Yes. Yes. Mm. We're all God's children. Ken, do you have anything to add? 
I think the only thing I would add to add, um, add to that is... For those of you who may not know, if I can interrupt Ken for a minute, Ken comes from Northern Ireland. He's, he's used to an area in the world where there has been a lot of conflict. So. Yes, I think um, what I find is one of the amazing things about this is that uh, God's family is not just Christian people. God's family is everyone that's on the earth. Amen. Mm. Mm. Good point. We could ask the question in light of what Andrew has read... How did all this problem begin? Let's go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 1, and I'd like someone to read verse 26 and verse 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our image. It's interesting that God's calling himself us and our. Mm. This Thank is you, from Jeanette. the New International Version. In Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Thank you, Jeanette. It's very instructive when you read the book of Genesis to understand that when it talks about the creation of the other parts of the world, such as fish, such as animals, such as birds, it says that they were created after their kind. Man is unique. Mankind being both male and female are unique. They were created in God's image. The animals, the fish, the birds were not created in God's image. They were created after their kind. And that is a, a point that often is overlooked when we look at the story of creation. So if we were created in God's image, why do you think, and I'm open to some general discussion here, why do you think God created this world in the first place? What was the purpose? Do we have any clues or any ideas? I think <coughs> basically the God created the world for mankind. Uh, we read and we learn continually that God is a God of love and he loves all creation. Mm -hmm. And so the way that God is that he makes something good first and then gives it to mankind. Thank you, Ken. Oh, I think I think Brendan that God is a God who likes making stuff. He's a creator. <laughs> I mean, he's like a guy that likes getting out in the in, in, in the man shed down the backyard and just doing stuff. That's that's who our God is. And mm. he said, "Oh, I'm going to make another creation. I'm going to make something completely unique here, a being in my own image." And uh, I but he imagine, wants to share it, doesn't yeah. he? It's not just a case of make it and leave it in the shed. Absolutely <laughs> not. That's right. It's just occurred to me that. Um, <clears throat> God is a God of love, as we told in First John. God is love, it says. As I was reading this, so this idea that I brought out, God called him, let us. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they're a, a sort of a unity. They're a, I can't explain it, and I don't think anybody in the earth can, how God can be one and yet three. Well, that's not a problem with me because he's God, but inherent in that is that there's a unity in God and that love sort of has to interact and when he made man he, he made us a unity as well he didn't make one he made a man and a woman so in that way we're reflecting God's image because there's you know within the concept of man there's actually two and relationship is a very important thing to God. 
I was just thinking of that if I could uh, just continue on, on, on that Nick, point with uh, Jeanette because mentioning from First John about uh, God is love love cannot be expressed if you're just a singular mm-hmm. person That's you need right. somebody else you know yes. that to yes. to love or share and, it and to share that love mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. amazing that God is not just a loving God God is love and the question was why then God created things because of love because mm. he well, uh, love cannot exist if it's just on its own mm. i think mm. it's very very interesting yeah. uh, concept and and have you ever noticed nick that the fruit of the spirit most of them are about relationship things mm. love peace goodness joy. kindness mm. gentleness joy patience self-control they're all relational sort of words, yes, and yes, and yeah. that comes from God as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. Brendan, you can see that God was pretty excited about this because oh, yes. you know He says after every day it was good, it was good, it was good, but after He'd finished, He says, "Oh, this is very good. This is very good." <laughs> so Thank God you, really enjoyed what He had made. Mm. If you look at a young couple just uh, married. Uh, It's not long before they want to share their love. And um, they talk about having children. And um, you ask the question, uh, why did God create the world? You know, love has to pour out on individuals and and family. And um, I think that God longed just like we call him father. Mm. Every father wants happy and uh, healthy children. Thank you, Will. Um, I want to take us now just briefly to Genesis chapter 3 and the story of the fall because really everything we study about or the rest of our Bible study times together, however many Bible studies we have on this subject, are all reflective of the fact that a perfect relationship, a harmonious relationship has been broken up and we need to explore the consequences of that breakup. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on how it came about. However, there is something interesting in verse 6 of Genesis chapter 3. Ken, could you read verse 6 of Genesis 3 for us, please? You will find a progression here that perhaps is not apparent on first reading of the book of Genesis. Thank uh, you. Just verse 6. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6. Okay, I'm reading from the uh, King James Version here. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant for the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and give also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Perhaps if you read verse 7 as well, because we have an immediate consequence. And the eyes of them were both opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves clothes. Thank you, Ken. Now, here's an interesting point that I just want to, want us all to think about for a moment. This word saw, the Hebrew word for this, is not put on spectacles because I can't see clearly. It's more a, more a case of she, she perceived. She perceived intellectually. She perceived with her eyes. She perceived both with her eyes but also with her intellect that in actual fact this tree... And it's called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, let's make one thing very clear to our our listeners and to all of us. The tree of knowledge of good and evil was not a general tree of knowledge. It was a tree of knowledge of good Good and and evil. evil. It was very narrowly defined. 
and also desirable for gaining wisdom. We haven't read the verses no. before, but that's what Lucifer told her, that you will gain wisdom when you eat this fruit. Before that, she wasn't even thinking or worrying about wisdom. There's a lot in the whole idea of us wanting to be wise, and I'm not sure after reading this that it actually comes from a good place. Thank you, Janet. That's an interesting point because, uh, as you said, many people today want to be wise, but unfortunately we're not wise. Mm. If we were, we wouldn't be in the mess we're in today. Thank you, Ken. Mm. Just thinking uh, comes in my mind, then, uh, just uh, to quote that text in the Bible, that the wisdom of this world is foolishness. Mm -hmm. Yes. But the the fear of God is the true wisdom, which again, this is interconnected with that relationship with our Creator, with God. And it's important because we are talking about the oneness in Christ. Uh, what that means, we are learning that here it's a breakdown uh, relationship. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can see the consequences straight away. Mm-hmm. Even the, the desire mm-hmm. of knowing more becomes from within. You know, it's my desire. You know, it's my. And mm-hmm. when we are walking on ourselves, then we are not protected mm-hmm. by the Creator, you know. It's an interesting concept, and probably we'll, during the study we'll, uh, we'll touch a little bit more in, into this. Actually, there was some truth in it. In them, you'll become wise, knowing mm-hmm. good from evil. Because they but did. Not the type of truth they were hoping for. Mm. Because all they realised was what they'd lost. They realised that they felt naked, mm. that they felt inadequate, and actually... All humans are now born feeling inadequate mm. and not good enough. That's Thank a good I, point. I would just like to Ken. go back to a second. Uh, sorry, to, just to go back to what you said no, a m- go, moment go ago. Right ahead. Uh, re- regarding fear of the Lord. I'd just like to clarify that a little bit. And that uh, fear of the Lord, some, sometimes people may think, oh, uh, if he's a loving God, why do you need to fear him? And I think what the Bible, the original context, means it's respect of the Lord and honour to the Lord. Yes. I'd just like to clarify that. Mm. Thank you, Ken. I just want you to think for a minute about what the devil actually said to Eve using the medium of the serpent. He actually said, you will know good from evil and you will be like God. Now, the Hebrew is Elohim, and Elohim can be gods or God, the one and only God or gods. Another term for Elohim is judge. You will be judge between good and evil. I think sometimes we tend to forget that they didn't know what evil was. They didn't know what die was. Mm-hmm. They didn't know any of these concepts. But after they sinned, <laughs> they knew both these concepts. But interesting <coughs> enough also mentioning that Satan is saying that um, you will be like God. God already said it before that I will make humankind in our own image, like us. Mm -hmm. And Satan was not saying anything uh, different. He was just insinuating that they are not like God, that God didn't create it as God promised. Mm. To me, me that saying, you'll be like God only because you'll know good and evil. And that was true, because they did. 
And as you said, Brendan, they had no idea what it was like because they lived in complete unity and harmony. And harmony. And then when they did this thing, you can imagine that these new emotions that just flooded into them. And when it says in the Bible that, that we read before, they um, their eyes were opened, they realised they were naked, this... There's huge things happening there that we don't, I don't think, fully understand. Mm. Where they suddenly realised, whoa, hang on, what's going on here? What have I done? I, I guess this is why Jesus said that when Satan speaks, he lies. And when he lies, he speaks his native language because he's, he's been sinning from the beginning. And he's mm. been deceiving and lying from his mm. very first words to the human race mm. and and that's what's caused all the disunity in the world and the feeling of nakedness and brokenness mm. that people have and but inside of us is all this longing to come back into the unity with God and, we, and some of us don't know that's what's wrong with us but we all know that something is wrong mm. One of the interesting things that's found in the Bible commentary is the statement that is made that God's original plan, had man been faithful to him, was to repopulate heaven with the human race. Now, God will ultimately achieve that objective when he returns the second time and when we, the righteous dead and righteous living, are caught up to meet the Lord in the air. He will achieve his objective but it will have taken an awful long time of pain and suffering before that is actually achieved. But just briefly, before we move on quickly, what were some of the consequences of sin? If we could just name them quickly without giving elaborate explanations, what were some of the key things that came about as a result of them both eating the fruit? Will, Can do I you have a two sentences that I found? Um, the consequences of the fall were enormous. The disobedience of Adam and Eve started the rupture of a harmonious interdependence between all life forms. Mm. So it didn't only result in the degradation and pain to human beings. It seems as if all nature is affected by yes. this transgression. And infected as well. Yes. Yes. Affected and infected. Mm. Yes. yes. Um, what are some of the other consequences, Jeanette? Number one, feel naked. And number two, hide from God. Mm -hmm. And number three, blame other people for their problems. Mm. And also myself, I, um, I just wrote down a few things here. Suffering. Suffering? Curse. Struggle. Sweating. You know, because God told uh, Adam, you know, now you will earn your living, you know, with great deal of... to live. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sweat. And in the end, death. I think that's one of the saddest things that before this sin came upon the earth that man wasn't uh, designed or destined to die but when sin came upon that changed everything and uh, also sickness which we have today which is incredibly sad yeah. Thank you, Ken. In context, Brenton, of yes. our Bible study today about unity, I think it started disunity Yes. Discord and division. Well, where among did it, human where did beings. the disunity start? Sin. Yes, sin. No, no. Let's let's go deeper. It started between male and female. Yes. Because you listened to your wife, and as a result, the relationship between men and women has never been exactly what God intended it to be. And yet, He holds up before us throughout Scripture. 
that his relationship with his church is that of a bridegroom to a bride. Mm, In other words, the relationship that God intends to have with us, that he wants to have with us, is the equivalent of a perfect marriage. And that's mind-blowing to think Mm. about it. I've wondered how... Any other comments? How did this unity result in death and hatred? People began to not trust each other. Yes, mistrust. There was mistrust. This unity brings in conflict, and conflict brings in wars, and wars brings in death. It's just a progression, mm. isn't it, really? That's and true, that's true. And yes. I, th- I think people became selfish and self-centred because that's what Satan put into Eve's mind. It's now going to be all about you. You're going to get wisdom. This is going to taste nice. What's in it for you? And it changed the whole way that we think. Instead of just being a loving community... Now it's, what's in it for me? What about my rights? What's for me? Uh, that's the point when we're talking about love. That, that's almost like the perfect ingredient yes. in, into, into yes. this uh, re- relationship. When mm-hmm. the disobedience come about, that ingredient was lost, if you like. And what happened then was disunity, was... Uh, selfishness and so on and just me and me and that's the we saw in the first you know case when brother kill brother that the uh, case with Cain and Abel Mm. it's amazing because if they will express their love toward each other that will never happen Mm. yes it's like my mum used to say to me when I was a kid me first me second me third any left over me again (laughs) I I think also actually uh, another key word uh, is old uh, that is missing is value I don't think people value other people today and uh, I don't think they value much in the world that's really important. They certainly value electronic gadgets and stuff like that, but the actual real thing of value in human contact, human relationships, human love is certainly missing. This unity actually to not feel connected to the average person down the street, for example, let alone a difficult neighbour. Uh, if you recall that uh, God is the father of us all, and that we're related in this sense. Mm-hmm. Yes. Surely there should be some understanding, some sort of unifying um, mm-hmm. aspect. Yes. In, and love is the actual catalyst that mm-hmm. does it all for us. Mm-hmm. Thank you, and, Will. And can we be contributors, each one of us, in sorting out some of these problems which we just talked about? Is that any possibility of... Yes, in in our in our uh, mm. um, strength or power to say so to do something. Thank you, Nick. Uh, I'm glad you raised that point. Let's turn in our Bibles to Second Corinthians five, and I think it's verse seventeen. It's good to hear the pages of Scripture being turned as we. Those of us who are on the panel and those of you who are listening to our program and will listen to it over the next few days, it's very interesting to understand that when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, you are given a role by God, and that role is described in these verses. Andrew, I wondered if you could read those verses for us from about 2 Corinthians 5, about verse 17 down. Uh, From the New International Version again, Paul says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. 
All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. So we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Thank you, Andrew. What do we gain, um, panel, from these particular texts? What are some of the key features? First of all, what is the term reconcile? What, What is one of the basic assumptions about having to have reconciliation in the first place? Well, that there's been a fight. When you have a couple of friends who want to reconcile, there's obviously been something that they've disagreed over or had a fight about or... So that's the, the first thing that's in the word, reconcile. So Jeanette, you would be saying it's basically bringing two parties, if I could use the term warring parties, it's bringing two warring parties together or two parties that mm. have, are, are split. Yes. Or it, yeah, it's sort of recreating unity, isn't it? Yes. yes. Something that was broken is now restored. Mm. Mentioning the term two parties, amazingly that God, to reconcile us with him, he took it on his own. Yes. And this is amazing because we are witnessing today all those things which we name it. Suffering, curse, struggle, whatever. And depends on us, each one of us individually, if we can make a step forward towards reconciliation. For example, if we know suffering and see suffering, what should we do mm. towards that? Not to expect the other person to do something that we are called to do everything what is in our power and understanding to help people in suffering. If, if those people who are, you know, suffering like a curse, us to be a blessing for them. For those people in, in struggle, us to be a comforter or so on and so on. I thought I, I, I just grasped that one because too many times we are thinking of, oh, I will do something if somebody will make a step forward also. Mm. Actually, when, when you think about this, it's all a little bit back to front because humans were the ones who left God, who decided not to trust him, who listened to Satan and took the fruit and, and you know caused the problem. And yet here, God is not standing back saying, well, when they come and say sorry, then I'll, you know... He's actually the one who's taking the initiative. (laughs) And all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. God made him who had no sin in verse 21 of chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. A wonderful text. Read it. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God so that all of it's God's initiative and all, all that we have to do, as Paul says, he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We need to go around saying, hey, God wants you back. In fact, he's done everything to get you back. You know, he's actually died to have you back. He's paid your price. He wants harmony again. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I believe this text that Jeanette read is one of the great texts of Scripture. It's on a par in my mind with John 3.16. He has committed that he made Christ who knew no sin to to be sin, sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 
My dear listeners, what could be better than this? God has reconciled the world to himself through Christ. When you receive Jesus, you receive not only eternal life, you receive not only forgiveness of sin, you receive the ministry of reconciliation, of pleading, as Paul says in a verse or two back, of pleading with people to be reconciled to God. Folk, our, our message, our work is to plead with people to be reconciled to God. They can see a world around them that is full of disunity and dysfunction and disharmony. The only way that will ever be restored is to be reconciled to God. Mm. And we have been given that ministry of inviting people, encouraging them, pleading with them to be reconciled to God. Maybe even, Brenton, this message that you are reconciled yes, to God yes, that's, already. That's, that's a good point. And, and you need to know about it. Just listen. Just know. Or saying it a different way, God is already reconciled to us. Mm. God is reconciled to us. He's waiting for us to make our move to be reconciled to him. him. Thank you, Andrew. Just accept it and say, okay. Andrew's put it very succinctly. Moving on in our study, um, we could take time over various things. Our study this morning encompasses quite a lot, and I recognise our time is limited. But we could reflect upon several things. The first person born on this earth turned out to be the world's first murderer and yet it's interesting when he was born eve and eve is not mentioned by name till after the fall that's another interesting point Mm. um eve said i have begotten a man of the, the lord the hebrew for it is i have begotten the man she thought that maybe her firstborn son was the The deliverer the one who was going to restore Mm. all things instead of that he became the world's first murderer Mm. and murdered his brother so there was a curse upon the ground uh, because of adam's sin there was another curse when cain sinned and there was the third curse at the flood i'm moving on fairly quickly because of time limitations i want to reflect with what happened uh, panel after the flood 10 generations after shem we find Abram coming along. We know him today as Abraham, but of course his name was only changed to Abraham at a later point in time. God made a comment to Abram in Genesis chapter 12, and I wondered if someone could read Genesis chapter 12. Just before we get there, can I just say Certainly, this? Certainly, Andrew, I, go, go right ahead. I actually feel very sorry for God if I'm able to, to say that, because... He wanted, he wanted to quickly reintroduce harmony and unity within the as world. As quickly and as he, possible. And he did it. He tried so hard. Yes. And yet because men wouldn't, wouldn't um, accept mm. what he wanted mm. to do, it never happened. He tried, yeah. you know, the flood and uh, he tried yes. with Babel it just, and it just didn't work. Mm. So here he is trying again. One thing we can say about God, he's the God who never gives up. That's, that's a good point, Andrew. <laughs> Before we read chapter 12, there is one point that I did forget <laughs> to share with you, and that is this. In chapter 11, where we have the story of the Tower of Babel, and due mm. to time factors, we can't spend a lot of time on that. There is a very important text, and it's verse 4, where it says, Let us build us a tower and make a name for ourselves. Mm. Now, in the society in which we live today in 2018, it is a very individualistic society. Everybody is out to make a name for themselves. Mm. We are following, unfortunately, in the footsteps of these people who were not... You can see the breakdown. You can see the breakdown in unity. After the flood, you had um, 
Noah and his wife, his three sons and their wives, they all had children. They were all one big family. Now you've reached a point, not too long after the flood, where these people have basically broken away and said, we're going to do our own thing. Mm -hmm. We are going to build a tower that reaches to heaven. We are going to make a name for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Now, when you're doing that, if you're making a name for yourself, you're doing it at the expense of others. Therefore, mm -hmm. the factor of unity has gone out of the window completely. Mm -hmm. There mm -hmm. they go again, me first, yes. me second, me third. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyway, chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Jeanette, would you like to read those for us? Thanks. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Andrew commented earlier on about how God is a God who never gives up. <laughs> what do we learn about this statement that Jeanette read in verse 3 and in you all families of the world will be blessed panel what, what can we share with our listeners as to our thoughts on what God is saying here Will I think it's ultimately <coughs> uh, pointing forward to the seed of Abraham which is Jesus Christ Good which point. would yes. um, bring the entire world and the entire universe actually together in unity, in love, once more. Mm. So that mm -hmm. was the... Um, the ultimate end point. The yeah. ultimate yeah. end. Yes. Will, how wide was this application that God had actually said? Read the verse again, Jeanette, just verse 3, please, and Will um, can comment on it. All peoples all on earth. All peoples on yeah. earth yeah. Okay. Will be We've got our answer. You. The answer is not exclusive. There is mm. no exclusive people on the planet today no. that God's love and grace is not showered on. It's available to everyone. And he's actually saying way back here, Abram, I am going to make you a blessing, but I am going to go beyond blessing your family. I'm going to bless the whole family of the world. All families of the world will be blessed because of you. And of course, as Will has quite rightly pointed out, he's pointed out the fact that the Messiah came through this particular line. Which is easy to see <coughs> when you read the Gospels because in both Matthew and Luke, you have <coughs> Jesus' human line going right back yes. to, um, yes, to Abram mm. and then back to Adam. Mm. I'd just like to also mention that um, we can see here the difference in between these two cases, like uh, the Tower of Babel, when people use the term we, let's make for us yes. something, you know. And God is saying here to Abraham, you will be for others. Not for yourself, not for your uh, sake, you know, but for others. You'll yes. be a blessing for mm. others. Good point. Yeah. And so, Very good point, again, yeah. you know, the, the, the reconciliation here, and just coming back to the, uh, just for a, um, very briefly to the Tower of Babel, God decided to confuse, confuse their language. Why? Because they were only on one direction, one mind, to do something what they wanted. And now God is wanting us to reconciliate with him still through the language, if we can say that, through the language of love. Because that's the, again, the, the, that secret ingredient which we'll talk more and more during these Bible studies. Because God is showing that to Abraham, God is showing to 
all of the great people mm. of the Bible, and God is showing that to us, mm. that we, if we want to be in oneness with Christ, we cannot be in any other way but expressing love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, God was actually expressing his love when he confused their languages, though they didn't understand it that way, because he said, they're going to totally forget me, the mm-hmm. way they're going, and nothing, you know, they, they'll be off with the fairies. So he said, I'm going to go down and confuse their languages and spread them over the whole earth. Otherwise, things are just going to go from bad Bad to to worse. worse. Folks, just quickly, go back to chapter 11 and verse 6, and let's have a look and see what the Lord said about this in verse 6, seeing we've reflected just briefly on the Tower of Babel. Uh, Will, could you read uh, chapter 11 and verse 6 of Genesis? It's quite instructive, this verse. Hmm. Genesis 11, verse 6. 11, verse 6. um, Thank you. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Verse 7. Come, let us go down down and Mm -hmm. confuse their language uh, so they will not understand each other. What do you make of this? These are rather instructive verses, these two verses. It seems to me as if uh, sometimes we believe that uh, unity can be achieved by a common purpose, like building Mm -hmm. a tower, Mm -hmm. or forming a club, or uh, uniting people artificially with some sort of um, main goal that they all agree on. But that's not really true unity. And these people united to build something together, but it didn't unite them. God then said, all right, it's easy to disunite them or to separate them. All I have to do is um, change their language, and that artificial connection or unity just fell apart. Mm. It Mm. seems to me as if God is intimating here that love is the only real thing that unites heart to heart. And also to add on that, Jesus himself, if we are going to be reconciled and united, we need to be in Jesus, Mm. not in ourselves, because that's why we have so many uh, groups of believers in this world, so many denominations and so on. But if we'll focus on knowing Jesus and his uh, ministry for us, then we'll be united even if we don't uh, uh, work hard towards that. Yeah. It's a result of knowing Jesus. Mm-hmm. And from a purely practical point of view, don't you find it interesting that after Jesus had gone back to heaven and, and had committed this ministry of, of, of taking the message mm-hmm. of reconciliation to the church, that the first gift he gave them was the gift of languages Yes, so that that it was now possible them. for them to be able to go and take that message to everybody. So a reversal of Babel. Yes, yes it's mm-hmm. a reversal of Babel. Mm-hmm. But, but it's interesting what God actually says here where he says nothing now will be impossible to them because they are united in one language and they have begun to do this and what they'd begun to do was two things. They'd begun to build a city and a tower. Mm-hmm. And... We know, prophetically speaking, and uh, maybe this will come up at some future time in a future study on this channel, we know that uh, the devil's plans at the end of the world is to unite the world again. 
once more in opposition. Will going back to your comment, just just briefly on this, it's reflective, I think, to think about the fact that there was a group of people united in a common purpose here of building the Tower of Babel, but that did not include those who were true to God. True. So they were doing this separately. This was their own venture, their own initiative. And once again, you have division. And mm. God simply overcame that by changing their languages. But mm. that word, nothing <coughs> will stop them to achieve this. Uh, I believe uh, it's uh, referring to nothing will stop them to end into destruction. Because mm, God had, had the plan of reconciliation, as we, we just learning. As we have But if God will allow them to just go on their own mind, that will be certain destruction. Mm. They'll mm. stop at nothing. Yes. Exactly. Because it, yeah, they were unified in evil, and, and that's what really worried God, because they yes. were very smart people. Right? And, and, and that's, people with, yeah. that's with today's uh, concept of uh, unity, you know, and uh, all the... Um, how But you Nick, on what grounds? Unity on what grounds? That, that's that's important. the importance. Yeah. Actually, yeah. in rebellion <coughs> against God, that's what it was based on. I think it's very interesting yes, looking at the world today. I don't think much has changed. Mm. I think you're right, Ken. Mm. You know, a couple sometimes says, a couple that's <clears throat> really in trouble, their marriage, they think that through the common um, project, if you'd like to call it, or the purpose of having children may draw them together. But if there's no love, I think love is the key to draw, to, to create unity. You don't um, build a tower or have children in order to find love. It may happen in certain instances, but but love is the key in the whole thing. Mm. Will, thank you for your comment on that. I'm going to invite us to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Yes, it isn't necessarily in our study, but seeing we have talked about this, I believe that this is a very, very relevant uh, point. Uh, we're looking at Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm looking at verse 25. Ken, I wondered if you could read chapter 5 and verse 25 of Ephesians 5. I was asked this question recently, actually, by a listener to, and this was a text that I actually used in a Bible study that we were able to share together. Ken, I'd like you to read that um, verse 25 and verse 26. Then. Okay, so again, we're uh, reading out of the King James Version. Uh, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and give himself for it. Key word in this verse, I believe, is the word gave himself. Mm. Will, you talked about love and how uh, husband and wife often think the way to save an ailing marriage is to have a child. It doesn't work. And I think there are many uh, young people out there and, and maybe some not so young who have realised that just having children is not going to repair a fractured relationship what is relevant i believe out of this text is that it says husbands love your wives as christ loved the church and gave himself for her it's only the unselfish giving that restores trust it restores loves and it restores that recommitment again and for those of us who are husbands or wives it's a challenge because none of us are perfect <laughs> none of us can love perfectly None of us can give ourselves completely, despite how hard we might try. All we can do is invite the Holy Spirit to soften us, 
to change our hearts and our lives so that we, in giving, we are giving in the way that God would have us to give. Then that reconciliation, that restoration can come together again. What do you think? Unity is something that only God can bring about in the heart. Yes. You know, I've heard the um, thing said that a kicking donkey can't pull and a pulling donkey can't, can't kick. kick. Now, I've used that illustration. <laughs> We've heard that good. illustration That's a good one, Will. <laughs> um, in the context of if a church has got disunity, give them a common project uh, goal and they will draw together and work. Um, that really is superficial. The a common purpose doesn't bring people, even Christians, together. I think love Why do you the, think that is? Love uh, is well, the key. Hmm. Love is the key. Not a common project like building a church or, or in the case of uh, the, the Bible builders, building a tower. Yes, yes. And that, that, that love doesn't, can't come from our own hearts the way they are. No, we it, need to be reconciled okay. to God and have his love in us, you know. Yeah. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Also, I would like to say that um, a very important thing is that we need to understand and realize that we are the chosen people, the chosen children of God. In the case of Abraham, because, you know, in, the, in, in that context of uh, sin and uh, suffering and all things, God says, I will choose you and through yes. you, I will make you to be a blessing. Now, do we feel ourselves chosen? doesn't mean that we are more uh, important than other people or more uh, you know we are chosen with a specific mission if you like to work to reconciliate to be a beaming light for god in this world i think it's it, it's it's important because will you mentioned that uh, common projects some other things not necessarily bring people together good point uh, nick I would like us now to turn in our Bibles to De Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 to 11, which is in our Bible study for today specifically. These texts are rather interesting texts. Today in 2018, if you were to choose a group to be representative, you would look at uh, various aspects that you believe are vitally important. Good leadership, money, influence, connections power, the ability to be able to influence others. Can someone read the chapter 7 verses 6 to 11 for us please? Andrew, could mm, you sure. read those verses uh, for us? 6 Thanks. to 11 of Deuteronomy <coughs> chapter 7. Then we will reflect on that as we close. Okay. <laughs> for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people and his treasured possession. Who is he talking to? He's talking to the Jewish nation here. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers that he brought you out of a might, with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery and from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. But those who hate him, 
He will repay to their face by destruction. He will not be slow to repay to their face those who hate him. Therefore, take care to follow the commands, decrees and laws I give you today. Mm. What are the principles that uh, God chose Israel on according to this? Does anyone have any comment on that? Because it seems to me that it's an exact reversal of the way we would choose someone to be a representative today. Because the Lord loved you, in verse 8, and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers that he brought you so, out. So God chose them because God chose them. God chose them because, yes, as Andrew said, <laughs> if, if you didn't all hear Andrew, <laughs> Andrew said God chose them because he chose them. He chose them unilaterally. He didn't choose them for any particular reason. He chose them because he could choose them. But he also chose them because of his covenant with Abraham. Mm which is implied here but not clearly brought out. As I was preparing for this, I realised for the first time for me um, more or less what that covenant of Abraham was about. It was a covenant of love. God was wanting Abraham to preserve the knowledge of the Lord in yes. the earth because mm, it had almost you. gone and he just wanted to keep the knowledge of God alive through Abraham and his family in this rebellious world. Thank you. Any other comments on, on this? Because really today the Christian church has been chosen by God to be his ambassadors in the world. Mm. And he hasn't chosen us because we are more influential than anybody else or because we have more money than anybody else or because we are better educated than anybody else. He has simply chosen us because he loves us. And mm. he also calls us the adopted yes. children into Abraham's family. So all the original promises he made to Abraham become our promises but it's basically the same original promise that God made and we've been adopted into that family I was just um, trying to look for the verse which uh, says uh, uh, that we are Abraham seeds now somebody mentioned that Galatians, uh, Galatians 3, 3 Galatians yeah, if we 3. look into that verse because you're uh, Christ, you're Abraham it's seed, important because somebody mentioned that uh, those verses before which was read uh, referred to the Jewish nation but actually in in these verses which are going to read is making so clear that we are spiritual israel if you like mm -hmm. you, are, you know everyone who follow jesus and believe in god they are the seed of abraham through the promise which god made mm. to abraham you can see that god had a plan a <laughs> he didn't need plan b because plan a will ultimately be fulfilled but it's taken a long time to fulfill it. Mm. And, uh, and the purpose, as Nick has quite rightly pointed out, is that we today, all of us, those of us who are on the panel, those of us who are listening, we are all Abraham's spiritual children mm. when we have accepted Jesus. Galatians 3.29 it is, Brenton. Mm. Can you if read you, it, Jeanette? If Thanks. you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I like what um, what I've read here. Um, Thank you. Lord. God does not choose the strong and the mighty to serve him, as Ken has said, but those who sense or acknowledge their weakness, folly and nothingness, that no one might glory before him. 
Thank you, Will. Do you find that encouraging? Mm-hmm. I find it encouraging personally because <laughs> personally I'm not high or mighty or influential or well-connected or rich or any of the factors and most of us here would probably agree with that we are not people who <coughs> we're just ordinary everyday human beings Absolutely. and, and yet god has yeah. showered his love on us and yeah. and the ministry of reconciliation yeah. and that's the way god operates brendan he mm. delights in using um, people who are weak who are struggling yeah. um you read the bible why stories. andrew can because I ask the question, why does he use the weak as opposed to the powerful? Because people, what does it reveal? people depend on his strength and his yes. ability to do what he wants them to do rather than their own On abilities. their own strength. Yep. Mm. Ken, do you have a comment? I often think about these things and I think the, one, the thing that comes to me all the time is, I, and I, I do not understand it, but the patience of God. Yes. I just absolutely. think it's absolutely awesome. And the other thing I think about and I've been very open here is why God chose me because I'd be the least of anybody in this world but God seems to uh, as we've as we've read and as, as we have spoken about he's not looking for people at high and mighty or super clever and, and got all this that and everything he's just after everyday people who've got an open heart and are willing to listen and are willing to search the scriptures mm. and are willing to receive the gift of Jesus Thank you, Ken. We're going to finish by reading chapter 11 of Matthew. Chapter 11, because there is a comment that is reflective of all the comments that have been made by our panel today, where Christ himself actually thanks the Father for this. So chapter 11 of Matthew. Verse 25, is it? Yes, I think it is, Andrew. Can you read it for us? Thanks. Uh, Matthew 11, 25 says, At that time Jesus said, I praise you, Father. Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, this was for your good pleasure. Okay, is that a good spot for us to finish off on with our study today? Excellent. (laughs) Just before uh, we are uh, finishing, probably it will be um, a very good thing to see through the start of this brand new Bible study. What will be... uh, take home message for each one of us you know considering that god is calling us Mm. for oneness in him for me for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life that's just Mm. wonderful and i think nick it would start with me with my with my spouse it would start with me with my family to try and be a harmonious person who brings in unity. Mm. It would be with me in my workplace and with everyone I meet to be a person who is is someone who brings in this calm, unified spirit in all that I do. I'm glad that God doesn't call the illustrious, but he looks down the line and way down the line he sees little old you and me. Mm. And uh, he says, I will take you like Abraham and I'll make you a praise in the earth, not our own praise, but uh, love and devotion and connection to God brings about unity and the, the restitution of what he intended for us right there at the beginning of creation. I also think that, as we have mentioned, that God loves everyone and he loves you, he loves you out there irrespective of who you are, what you've got or what you've done. God loves you in a way that 
you will never understand because we don't understand it. And he's knocking at your door. He's waiting for you to open your heart and he will change your life. You only need to ask. To me, in summary, the important thing is not only the love of God, it's asking God, not only as a panel, but also as listeners, for the humility, for the humility to see ourselves as God sees us. Because when we see ourselves as God sees us, he is able to use us in ways we cannot even begin to imagine. And I think this Bible study series from now on is going to be an exciting journey, Nick, and I'm looking forward to uh, sharing it with you. Thank you very much, uh, Brenton, for uh, facilitating for uh, this study. I would just like to invite um, our listeners to consider to look into the Bible, to find out more about the love of God, and even though we are facing every moment, every day, challenges, hardship, difficult time, we are a chosen people. And God gave us that amazing opportunity to work together with him for the reconciliation of humankind. Mm. And it's so important. If you like to be part of these Bible studies, you have also opportunity to come and visit our groups where we study more in depth even uh, these topics for the next uh, three months as we we plan to and if you like to be part of one of those groups don't hesitate to search for any Seventh-day Adventist church in your area and you can uh, come along every Saturday morning usually from 9.30 starting but some of the churches may start Bible study at 11 o'clock having the main service First, I'll invite you to search for uh, the church in your area and come along. And if you like to contact us, don't hesitate to give us a ring. And you can be part of one of these panels uh, to bring your input also in regard to these studies. Thank you very much to the panel again. Uh, may God bless you. And just before we, we are leaving uh, you today, we'd like to just close with a word of prayer. Uh, Will, how would you like to just pray? Loving Father in heaven, we are grateful that uh, your strength is made perfect in our weakness. And uh, we thank you that you can choose little old us to represent you on earth. We pray, Lord, for unity among believers and uh, in our own families. May we find the love of God pervading all things that we do and say and think. And then ultimately, Lord, when you unite your family together in the kingdom prepared, may each one of us and our families be there in the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Until next time, don't forget, keep walking in the footsteps of Jesus.